0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle Podcast. I am your host, Dan Capril. For each and every week, we attempt to make sense out of what seems to be the chaotic world of personal finance. Trust me, the truth is a lot more simpler than our friends in the media or even those in financial services want you to believe, and that's what we focus on. Now, if at any point you want to reach out to me, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, always feel free to call my office, area code 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Or you can also email me, Dan at Matson M-A-T-S-O-N, the word and Capril, MattsonandCapril.com. But probably the easiest way is just give me a call, 513-563-7526. Now, I want to get into what's been occurring lately. Here we are now in the second week of February. And after what seems to be an eternal run-up of all equity markets, not just the U.S., but international, et cetera we're starting to see prices fall. We're starting to see returns go down. Let's put a lot of this in perspective. Whenever you're watching the news, the news is there to be sensationalized. As we know, depending on which media outlet you're watching, they all have a bias. It's amazing when I was a kid and even in my early twenties, I had a hard time figuring out what the bias was of most people in the news. That's not very hard today. So when you hear them talk about things like, you know, the market fell a thousand points today, technically that's true, but it's not really the relevant message. The relevant message is always, well, what percentage did markets fall by? Uh, the same is true when they rise. I mean, is a hundred point rise that big of a deal? or fall when the market is trading at 25,000. And for that matter, is a thousand point rise or fall that big of a deal when the market is trading at 25,000? I mean, consider it wasn't all that long ago when the larger stock market was trading at 10,000 or even 6,000. So obviously, a thousand point movement at that rate, you know, when it's at that level, is going to mean a lot more from a percentage basis. It may surprise you to learn, but within any 24-hour, or I should say, within any trading day, 95% of the time, you're going to get uh, movement anywhere between plus 4% and minus 4%. I mean, that is the norm. So the fact that markets move up by that percentage or move down by that percentage, that's not really news. They want it to be news, but you always have to think in terms of percentages. So whenever, whenever you hear that, always think in terms of percentages. Now, the second thing I want you to always remember is that if you are a well-diversified investor, and if you work with us, I'm pretty confident to say you, you are, then what the U.S. large stock market does, that which is the Standard Poor's 500 or is defined by the S&P 500, that is not necessarily the returns of your portfolio. In fact, if you're a client of ours, it is not. That's just a small part of the overall portfolio. Now, that's not to say the other equity markets didn't go down as well. They may have, but maybe not in proportion. Anything can happen in a short-term period of time. It's usually over the long-term period of time that you start to see the differences. The other thing I always want you to remember is that you, when you go into, this, into the world of building your portfolio and you're, you're trying to get return for the long-term, You understand going in that there's going to be these moments of volatility. That is of no real surprise to you. You're more than aware of it. You sign all kinds of forms that, that mention it. But actually living through it is an entirely different thing. And this is why the psychology of investment is so important. This is why business schools today have entire departments called behavioral finance. Because they wanted to answer the question, if markets move up, why are investors getting such lousy rates of return? Is it because they're buying bad investment products or is there something else? And guess what? It's something else. It gets back to just the, the human nature, the, the, the fact that we all have within us a survival mechanism and the survival mechanism wants us to avoid pain at all costs. Even if that means selling at a loss, Because if we don't, we tell ourselves it's just going to get worse. Logically, though, we know that's probably not the case. So if you look at what happened in in 2008, we saw a lot of um, decline in value and a lot of people panicking. And in yet, markets came back. Every time in your life, the markets have gone down, they've come back. So we need to understand that logically, if you're going to view the future from a logical standpoint, you probably need to be optimistic. I think so because we've had more than our share of bad news. And you've heard me say that on this show many, many times. So let's look at this most recent decline. What was the primary cause? Well, you can list that out forever, but most likely what led a lot of traders to, to opt for selling rather than buying, that, that caused a little bit of decline that we're seeing here, is the fact that the, the economic news was actually pretty darn good. Now, I know that may sound strange. If economic news is good, why, then, are markets going down? Well, because sometimes when the economy is good, there are side effects, and the biggest one could be inflation. So the Federal Reserve, which sets interest rates that ultimately has an impact on other interest rates, well, it could, as they start start to inch their rates up, the cost of capital, the cost of borrowing money, if you're a corporation, goes up with it. And as a result, if you have higher cost for buying money, which is what they're doing, borrowing money, then your profits are going to go down. Now, we've just had this huge run-up. You know, we've seen markets soar 30% and more since the election. So when you've got this economic news that suggests maybe interest rates will continue to rise, there's a tendency for investors to say, you know what, we just had tax reform, I know what I'm gonna owe, I'm gonna start doing some selling. I'm going to start realizing some of my gains. And that's what happened. Did that mean that suddenly now the the economy had uh, fallen apart? No. The stock market and the economy don't necessarily move in step. In fact, there's a lot of studies that show that stock markets actually do better in years of recession, (laughs) if you can can believe it. So I'm of the, the mindset that these are two separate entities that the media tends to link together. All right. So let's say you're in a diversified portfolio. And by diversified, I mean, you own more than just large stocks, you own fixed income, you own small companies, value companies, you have international companies, very broad. And now we're seeing a moment where stocks are going down in value. So maybe you had a 50-50 portfolio, 50% bonds, 50% stocks. And suddenly now it's, it's more like um, 55% bonds and 45% stocks. What do you do? Well, you could opt to do nothing. It's one strategy, obviously. You could opt to dump your stocks, which I think would be kind of silly because you want to sell high, not low, right? Or you could actually take advantage of the fact stocks move down and rebalance your portfolio. Now, if you rebalance, you're going to actually take money out of the fixed income and you're going to move it into the equities. So that again, you equal 50-50. Buy low, sell high. When will you sell high? Well, when equities rise again, you then take some of the growth that you've had on the stock side and you move it into your fixed income. Very simple, right? That's really one of the most important strategies you can do. It doesn't require any type of crystal ball or market timing or anything like that. It's just taking advantage of rule 101 when it comes to investing. Buy low, sell high. Now, sometimes when markets go down like this, people feel the pain in ways they never imagined possible. They think to themselves, well, if I'm diversified, should I have gone down as much? Depends. A lot of times, investors think they're diversified, when in truth, they're highly redundant. So whenever I work with a new person, one of the things we'll we'll first do is, is conduct what we'd like to call a portfolio MRI, just like the MRI you'd get from a doctor. And we look deep down into their portfolio. And often, I find that they may have seven or eight different mutual funds. Now, they concluded they needed all these funds because that's what it took to be diversified. But were they really? If those funds are largely buying the same companies, and in many cases they are, then I would argue that they're not really diversified. What they really are is redundant. It's very important when you pick your products that they not all be buying the same things. Because if they are, you don't need to buy them all. You could just buy one. So diversification is key, and yet so often the products that we choose get us away from that. That's why, as a rule, we only recommend to our clients asset class funds or index funds. Because in that instance, we have a pretty good understanding of what's going to be in there. We don't have to worry about the large stock manager suddenly loading up on bonds. That's not his job. His job is to give us the full market rate of return of large stocks or small stocks or national. Whatever, whatever his, his particular expertise is, we want to own every single company in that class. We don't want a stock pick. We don't want a market time. Because in order for us to be successful stock pickers and market timers, we need to have information that nobody else has. We need to have next week's newspaper today. We need to have insider information, which of course is illegal to act upon. So there is a serious myth to investing that a lot of people are buying into. In fact, if you want to learn more about the myths of investing, please reach out to me. I'll send you a course that I put together a number of years ago called The Myths of Investing. And what it did was it, it compared what Wall Street claims it can do with what the academic evidence shows as being the truth. And what you're suddenly going to learn is that all these big research departments that these companies have, that they tell you how good they are, they're really not worth all that much. Because everyone's got a big research department. And as a result, it cancels itself out. The market has the same information. It's only the new and the unknowable that's going to move it in a different direction. And until we know that, well, we are just speculating. So what we've seen here is volatility that's normal. We love it when it goes up, but it won't always go up. There ha- there's going to be that up and down swing. The important thing is over time, is it upward sloping? Well, it always has been. And I think short of something like maybe thermonuclear war, it probably always will be. So ask yourself this as you see this volatility. Has it really affected your life in any way? Chances are the answer is no. Chances are you... Still got up the same way and did the same things. All right? If that doesn't make sense to you, if you think that maybe there's there's something else you need to know, reach out to me. Love to talk to you. Again, area code 513563PLAN is my number. Area code 5135637526. Whether you're a client or not, it doesn't matter to me. I feel that there's so much misinformation that goes out there about investments and investment markets, and it's usually done by organizations that have a financial incentive. And look, I'm not going to deny the fact that I'm a financial advisor and and we love it when people listen to our show and and want to work with me. I, I get that. But I want you to know the truth. And the academic evidence is overwhelming that nobody knows in advance what markets are going to do. Therefore, a highly diversified portfolio that factors in most if not all of the asset classes, not all of them, but most of them, is gonna increase your chances for a higher, more consistent rate of return over time. It doesn't immune you from some short-term volatility, but it does minimize it, and it does increase the chance that you'll get paid for that volatility. If you don't think you're as diversified as you need to be, if you're not even sure what you own, please reach out to us, 513-563-7526. I would love to share with you what our portfolio MRI is all about. So. Until next time, this is Dan Capril, and I want to thank you for listening to the Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit MatsonandCapril.com And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle.